Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome to Day One, the show that goes back to the very beginning to share the story of some of Australia's most incredible regional startups and entrepreneurs. Today, you're going to hear the story of James Rabbit and Broader Learning. I'm James Rabbit. I'm the Managing Director of Broader Learning. Broader Learning provides STEM-based learning programs to multiple schools. So STEM, Science, Technology, Engineering and Maths. I guess Broader Learning tackles particularly the um, technology and engineering aspects, but we do integrate some of the science and maths. This approach allows Broader Learning to provide a higher quality and more cost-effective experience for the students than any one school could provide on its own. Broader Learning has grown out of James, volunteering at local schools, helping with coding and robotics classes, to now operating across a total of five campuses. The very first class that they ran, they received over three times the student sign-up than the school had anticipated. That's very exciting, and I'm really interested to see where James and the team can take this company. But for now, let's go back to day one, where this story begins. started studying uh, Bachelor of Computer Science. I didn't love it, to be honest. So I switched to a Bachelor of IT, which is what I thought I would want to do in the first place. Yeah. And it is like more people and problems sort of focused. It was all about like project management. And if like someone comes to you with a problem, like how do you work out what the solution is? How do you work with them to determine what they want? That kind of thing. Yeah. And like some project management stuff. And like, while still not the best, most amazing experience on earth, it was definitely more my level. Um, and then I applied for an internship at NIB Health Funds for a year uh, as a software developer. So, like, clearly aligned with what I was studying. Um, and, like, I had heard them talk at a career day. Funnily enough, focused at high school students. And I was, um, I was an undergrad volunteering at the career day. And I was like, that sounds like a really cool place to work. So I applied for an internship and got it. So broader learning actually started when I was an intern. At the end of um, the end of 2016, we'd kind of been bumming around, not really doing very much for six months, and we applied, or I guess proposed to one school the idea of running, you know, these programs that we wanted to, to run. Me and my business partner Mitch, Mitch McLeod, the other director. So he wasn't actually on board from like day one, but he very like quickly got involved. Um, because we'd both done some volunteering in schools and stuff before and we were both studying the same thing. Um, we're good mates, actually. So Mitch and I had kind of been like working with one school just like as employees, literally, I guess, or contractors um, because we'd volunteered teaching coding and stuff in schools before and it just kind of like fell into itself right. uh, where we started working for one school, like assisting them with their, I think it was like a high school robotics program and we sort of saw that there was like many a way that that could be improved instead of every school in an area having to make the same outlays so they have to have a passionate teacher who's interested in it they have to do professional development they have to make you know expenditure on resources that get used oftentimes from our experience volunteering once a quarter or, or once a year and then sit on shelves so like everyone is making these distributed outlays that are all the same and these resource companies are making tons of money and the school has got to like dust off their resources, dust off their curriculum, teach it for a, a month and then throw it back in the shelf. And that was kind of where we said 
whoa, there's like a really solid idea around centralizing that and us doing it all the time. So we'll experience the pain point of doing that five times a day or five times a week. Um, and that's our argument for why we're good at it. So we said to a school, hey, instead of you having to do X, Y, Z, we'll do X, Y, Z a hundred times and we'll get really good at it. So they've got it. The problem, multiple schools making the same resource outlays for a program that would run for a very limited time. James identified that a third party could come in, develop the programs and implement the programs in multiple schools, therefore saving the school's time and money and ultimately providing a better experience for the students. Now that James had identified the exact problem, and he knew it well, it was time to start working on a solution. Because it was just kind of me and a bunch of post notes for those first like few months. So we were just sort of sitting around for six months, sort of like mind mapping for, right. <laughs> for six months. Like a full wall full of like all the different possible things we could do and how they would tie together. James spent six months in the ideation phase, planning and wallpapering his walls with post-it notes, and even James told me he probably spent way too much time planning. Eventually, you need to actually get in there and do something. People tell you, and it's quite often, go ahead and start and get your first customer as soon as possible, and if you're not embarrassed of the first thing you did, you launch too late. That's like a, a huge sort of repeated mantra in the startup world, and I think that's all valid. Um, but like going and finding a school or a group of students to start with is not exactly the like easiest thing to do. James and Broader Learning did manage to get their first customer. It was the school he had been volunteering at helping with their robotics program. We were talking to someone whose job it was to manage outside school learning which is a job that pretty much doesn't exist in any other school right. as far as I'm aware so it was I guess looking back that's like sort of our small-scale miracle of like had we talked to a normal school we probably would have been told that there's no appetite for that but this school directly had one already it was our, our first commercial customer so we I guess you could say we had like an unfair advantage we kind of knew a little bit about them we'd worked with them yep. sort of a little bit as individuals but this was a very different sort of flip when we said, hey, we want to run a company and employ other people who aren't us, but you've got to trust that just because we picked them and we're designing the programs, it's going to be quality. Broader Learning is born. Up until this point, it had just been an idea in James's mind and on his wall full of post-it notes. It becomes real when a customer agrees to pay you. And I want to reiterate here because this comes up again and again in my interviews. Relationships. James had the unfair advantage of knowing the person he needed to talk to because he had that pre-existing relationship. Exciting times. However, the first six months of this new relationship was perhaps a little rough. I guess you'd call it like a collaboration with a high school in those first six months where we did like some project-based learning with a group of year nine students. And that kind of like, I'm sure it was valuable for them, but looking back, and I apologize if they're listening, I think it was like a bit atrocious. So like I, at the end of it, I was like, whoa, like this is, I've massively overestimated what we could fit into six months with a group of high school students. Even though this might have been a painful process from James's point of view, it was a necessary one. As James mentioned earlier, getting your first customer really quickly is important. And it's important because it allows you to get feedback or data 
from the market. So you know what you've got is something that people want and that early customer allowed broader learning to refine their offering. People in, uh, in my profession and where I work talk about the idea of dog fooding something. So building a product and eating your own dog food kind of thing. So you understand how poor your product is or how great it is. The next step now that the idea had been validated by successfully implementing it across the two campuses at the first school is to grow, to find their next customer. And this was going to be a challenge. The next step was working, like trying to onboard a second school. And so we worked with a a group of, or a couple of parents at St. James at Katara South. And um, the parents in the PNF clearly understood that there was an appetite, I guess, within the school community, or that there might be at least an appetite um, for what we did. And then, <laughs> and then advertising to the school community to say, hey, we've got this program on. And the school says, oh, well, you can have one afternoon a week in the library or something like that. And you end up with like 68 students enrolled in a 24 student program. Um, so you have to like quickly send an email up to the school and say, hey, can we please, is there any chance at all we could have like another afternoon or two mornings or something like that? because um, there's a huge appetite for this. Another challenge James found while implementing these lessons across multiple campuses is staffing. And as a result, the majority of Broader Learning's team is casual. I've been sort of surprised by how recruiting and onboarding and managing casual team members has gone for us. So it's not something I've ever done before, of course. Um, but I've worked in plenty of casual teams. In fact, casual teams very like ours. Team members who honestly do so well, like the casual casual employees of a small company and they do really quality work. Um, that's something that surprised me that I wasn't mm. anticipating when we started. And I really love the team that we have now because <laughs> they, like, they each have their sort of, I guess, different way of approaching what we do. Um, but they can all be sort of trusted and relied upon to consistently do a good job or the best that they can um, in what can be sometimes changing, or quickly changing circumstances. Building out that casual team of superstars that James is very happy with is very important because of the very nature of the industry broader learning operates in. Having to run multiple classes on the same day means broader learning needs a very flexible team to cover the classes across more than one campus on the same day. So hiring is a very important role that is crucial to the company's success. James wanted to be able to conduct interviews in a professional space, but didn't think hiring out office space for broader learning full time would be worth the cost. James was able to find an alternative, bringing broader learning into the University of Newcastle's Integrated Innovation Network or I2N Hub. Working at the hub here, I2N Hub, was a good sort of solution for that because it allowed us to co-locate when we needed to and to interview people when we needed to. The hub and the manager of the hub, Siobhan Curran, had been able to assist James and Broad Learning in other ways too. It's been helpful in terms of even just sort of lifting our profile and connecting us within the sort of Newcastle business ecosystem. I was talking to someone about this the other day, that Siobhan, it's her job to work here all the time, look out for opportunities for the members. So what's next for Broad Learning? Broad Learning 
has four schools on the books right now, a total of five campuses, and those schools are ongoing repeat customers, which is exactly what the team wants. Once they're onboarded and working with us, or we're working with them rather, it's not like a one term and it's done. <laughs> quite, quite often the appetite sticks around. So it's a matter of continuing to do a great job for their partnered schools, while also keeping an eye on the horizon for new partners. The team still have a lot of room for growth in Newcastle and the Hunter Valley region alone. But no, it's not like we've churned through all the schools in Newcastle. Um, we're more than interested in talking to everyone and seeing different formats. So it doesn't necessarily have to be school-based. It can be library-based or even workshops for the children of a large company or something like that, based in their foyer or something like that. There are still a lot of challenges ahead for James, Mitch and the team. As I sort of mentioned, it's hard. It's, it can be hard working with schools who don't have a lot of staff to, you know, like schools quite often, it's like the number of classes plus one. That's the number of employees they've got. Um, so like every primary school has got 10 teachers and a principal or something like that. Um, so there's not always someone who you can have and like we can make contact and we can have a couple of emails back and forward and then we might hear from them three months later and we're totally sympathetic to that because they're time poor. Um, and that's kind of part of, I guess, uh, of our appeal, is that yeah. once we are set up, it's like set and forget, um, we'll email you if there's a problem. Between James's wall of post-it notes and the support Broader Learning has from the I2N and I2N's manager, Siobhan, Broader Learning is in good hands. She definitely looks out for things that we don't, because we don't have the luxury of doing that full time. What are the opportunities? What's going on in the ecosystem? That kind of thing. So that's a huge benefit being plugged into even just Siobhan's mind, where she keeps things in mind for you. I think a key part of broader learning success is James's understanding that everyone learns in different ways and that the methods used in traditional schooling aren't always the best fit for every student. I asked James, What's the best way for him to learn? You'll hear his answer after this short break. I have to start off by saying this is not a paid advertisement. I'm going to speak about this app simply because I love what they're doing. I love podcasts and I've been listening to podcasts, mostly business and entrepreneurship related podcasts since at least 2011. But something has always bugged me about the podcast app that I use and practically every other podcast app out there. Well, that's about to change. Hello, this is Monica. Hi, Monica. It's Adam. How are you going? Oh, hey, I'm good. How are you? Monica is one of the co-founders of a brand new app called Curio. It's all about following your curiosity. I love podcasts because I can listen and learn, but some podcasts go for over an hour. For example, the most recent episode of The Tim Ferriss Show goes for around three hours, and I love it, but there are really useful bits of information that I just like to bookmark so I can come back to later if I need to and not have to skim through three hours of audio to find it again. That's an extreme example, but I think you get my point. So how do we solve that problem? Introducing Curio. So Curio is a podcast app that allows listeners to retain and share the best bits of their favorite podcasts with their network. I downloaded the app on launch day and I personally love it. I would really love for you to try it out 
if you're an avid podcast listener like I am. If you're, you know, not satisfied with whatever podcast app you currently use, then, you know, what's the harm in giving us a go uh, and, and, seeing, and seeing where it takes you? Super easy. We're on, uh, we're on iOS at the moment where I've got uh, Android coming out soon. And you just go into the app store and you look for Curio uh, with two H's on the end. And the symbol is some hedge bones and there's yellow backgrounds. It's very easy to find. Very easy uh, to go through and download it um, and be able to figure out how to use the, the bookmarking and snippeting function. We've really tried to highlight that as easy as possible. For those of you on iOS, go to the App Store and search for Curio. That is C-U-R-I-O-H-H. And download the best new podcast app around. So James started broader learning because he understood that traditional school education, as well as existing online tutorials, aren't always going to be the best way for people to learn about STEM subjects. The different ways that people learn is clearly something that James has thought a great deal about. Yeah, no, I was never like, oh, I'm going to do amazingly academically. It's always something I've been interested in. And I find the current way that this stuff is delivered is kind of challenging for some people. So I don't, I guess I, you could say that I don't learn traditionally. I'm not even saying like schools don't do it well. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying like when you get online and you buy yourself an electronics kit, and you're completely on your own and you like look up a tutorial and it's kind of geared particularly for a certain way of thinking or it makes a bunch of assumptions about you know past knowledge and I think it gets in the way of what people are trying to achieve so it gets in, in the way of their feeling a reward that they're looking for in trying to learn something and accomplish something so whether they're building a small circuit or writing an app or something like that and I think that that's like discouraging for people like me or people who you know don't think in the way that particular tutorial or technology is built and so it's discouraging for them like for you what's the best way that you learn i haven't found that yet um i really like working with like a small group of people to explain something um i find that that really like forces me to face what i do and don't understand and um it's sort of like a driving factor for going and understanding something better and then coming back to that person and being able to explain it. Um, and it's not about like being right all the time or anything, it's just I, I do enjoy like seeing working with people to like get both of you across the line and be like, oh, you know, you feel a sense of achievement or something when you actually finally get the concept. I hope you enjoyed listening to the story of broader learning and James Rabbit. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to check out the show notes page for this episode at welcometodayone.com, which has links to everything that was mentioned in today's episode. And if you can spare a minute, I'd love for you to leave a rating on the show. It's practically the most important thing you can do for the show, apart from actually listening to it. It's really important and helps people just like you discover these stories. You can do that by visiting the show notes page on welcometodayone.com and clicking on James's post or simply go to ratedayone.com. Next time on Welcome to Day One, Daniel Spateri from Fike, a company that helps people get home safely by riding on a foldable electric bike to their location, folding it up, putting it in their boot and driving them home. Here's how Daniel got started. Okay, bought the bike, tested it out, time every single location and worked out a formula to go into the app. 
Thank you so much for investing some of your time today in listening to Welcome to Day One. I'm excited that you're here. This episode was created by me, Adam Spencer, and Andy Jones. Interviews were conducted by me, Adam Spencer, and a big thank you to James Rabbit from Broader Learning and a massive thank you to Newcastle University's Integrated Innovation Network for partnering with Welcome to Day One to bring you this awesome story. The script was written by me, Adam Spencer, in collaboration with Andy Jones. Music by Lee Rosevere. Full attribution is on our website at welcometodayone.com. This episode was mixed by Andy Jones. Thank you for listening and see you next time.